Hello, hello, travelers. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. And this is True Crime International. So, Angelica, where are we headed today? Today, we are going to Denmark, uh, mostly, at least, uh, because our killer did spend a little bit of time in America, which I'll explain in a little bit. So, to get right down to business, our killer was named Peter Kenneth Bostrom London, and he was born in 1972 to his parents, Ole and Anna. Peter changes his name several times, like, later in life, and we'll explain that later on, but I'm just gonna stick with Peter throughout the episode, because... That's easiest. (laughs) Yeah. Also, he's a douche, and I have no respect for him. Um, so, Ole was serving, Ole, his father, was serving in the United States Army because he'd moved to Canada to do, like, to serve in the Army, But he couldn't stay a Danish citizen in the Canadian Army, but he could do that in the U.S. Army. So that's what he did. And when he was serving in Germany, that's when he met Anna, and they eventually got married and moved to Denmark to start a life together, which seems cute initially. Okay, now I follow you. Okay, okay. Did you know? I'm really, you know, I'm really surprised that Ole wanted to join the Canadian Army because Canada... And Denmark are at war. Were they at war in nineteen seventy two? Probably. I think the war's been going on for a while. It's called the whiskey. I war. didn't know that. What? Oh my god, it's the it is the cutest thing. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't know that either, I'm gonna be honest. Did you say the war is <laughs> no, it's cute? so yeah. Okay, it's been going on since the thirties. There have been no casualties. It's literally fine. It's it's um it's just they um it's a it's a dispute over the ownership of Hans Island, which is somewhere in the Atlantic, I think. And it's not even habitable, but both are like, we own it. And are like, you don't own it. We own it. You don't own it. We own it. <laughs> and so they just have, like, the war has literally just been them going to the island and, like, taking the other country's flag down and putting theirs. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> and then it's called the Whiskey War um, because uh, the Canadians left like they they put up their flag and they left like a bottle of uh, maple syrup at one point and then the <laughs> and then the, the Danish came back and removed their flag and left a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> That's so funny. And I, it's just been going back and forth. It's still ongoing. They're still at war. That's so. Random. It's literally so Seems cute. Legit. Yeah. Um. So their relationship started off super cute, right? Probably not. Uh. But so Ole worked as a bricklayer. And he actually built the family's house, and they had a really nice start together. But unfortunately, Ole got a blood clot that made it so, like, he just couldn't do as much intensive labor, and they were already struggling financially, and they just couldn't stay afloat. They were losing their house like it was being foreclosed, so they moved to the United States in 1981 when Peter was nine years old. And the family laid roots down in Ormond Beach, Florida, where they ran a motel. But then they ended up in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Who the 
fuck wants to run a motel in Florida? Right. Not I me. Don't know. That's for sure. I am I am questioning their sanity. Yeah. Also, Maggie Valley just sounds like a, such a fictional place, but also I can't right? think of anything more North Carolina-ish. Like that's that's right. Um and I'm not sure why, but Ole left Anna after a few years there and took Peter with him. And he just took Peter, like, all over the place. They lived in L.A., New York City, Boston, like, everywhere. But Ole just couldn't find success in any of these places. Until they went to Miami, where he became a bricklayer again. Like, I don't know if his health was better, I'm assuming. Like, I don't know. But somewhere in this mess... Ole got back together with Anna, and she moved down to Miami to be with them again. Ole's like, I just, I need to do some soul searching, and I'm taking the kid with me. (laughs) Yeah, I have, like, I don't get it. So, I know we don't know a lot about Peter's life at this point, but I have to assume, like, there's no way that could have been easy. Firstly, like, this is a new country that he's living in, and then he's given no consistency whatsoever because his father just keeps on moving him around. Yep. And also, judging from what happens later, I'm just assuming Ole was just not the best role model, and it was likely not beneficial at all that he was the most consistent thing in Peter's life. Like, I cannot stress this enough that I just don't think this backstory is preparing you for what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Also, just... Maybe maybe settling in Miami had a negative effect too because it's Miami. <laughs> it's Miami. <laughs> um, it just reminds me of that scene in The Good Place. I don't know if you guys have seen The Good Place. No. Where uh, the yes. one demon is like, the one demon's like, oh, he's from Florida. Yeah, he belongs in the bad place. Yeah. <laughs> also, French people automatically go to the bad place. <laughs> Florida's just something something different. <laughs> Florida is it's it's really its own universe. Yeah. Yeah. For real. If you if you're from if you've never been to Florida, particularly if you're out, from outside the US, everything you hear about Florida is absolutely There's true. a reason why people like you hear more about people going on vacation to Florida than living in Florida. Yeah. yeah. There's this there's <laughs> this thing that's like people will type in their birthday and then Miami and see the crazy events that have happened in no, that if you type or in Florida, um, man. Florida man. Oh yeah, Florida man. Florida and then man. your birthday. Yes. Wait, yep. let's all do that really quick. <laughs> Mine is Florida man eats pancakes in the middle of the road, which is pretty <laughs> on brand. So Florida man gets head butted by an alligator. <laughs> Are you doing year two? No, I just, no, just, okay. just day. day. Oh, I don't love it. Florida man claiming. To be God, arrested after touching people, fighting with police, being tased. Okay. I hate it. I hate it. Wow. Uh, anyway. Florida Man articles, though, are something else. They they really are. Uh, if you vacation to the United States, honestly, just go somewhere else. <laughs> don't go um, to Florida. Don't no, do that to yourself. <laughs> unless you're going to, like, Disney or something. I don't know. Uh, but still, there's that in California. So. But anyways... Peter dropped out of school when he was 16 to work with his dad, and I'm not sure how much education he ever really received because he started school when he was 14 in Miami, but I'm assuming he didn't get a lot of schooling when he was, like, traveling around with his father, you know? 
And also, just like more time with Ole is just bad news. I'm just telling you, it's bad. The fact that he was news. only educated in Florida is also bad news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and during this time, he also started getting familiar with cocaine and weed. And when the family oh, moved did he? back, <laughs> yep. And when the family moved back to Maggie Valley for some reason, uh, he's and he started school again. He started selling weed to the people he went to school with. So just getting his start. Uh, <laughs> moving forward a few years to 1991, when Peter is 19 years old, there's just, like, a lot of turmoil in his family. Anna and Ole probably shouldn't have ever gotten back together. Like, Ole was no, a I can't terrible imagine. influence. Yeah. And both Ole and Peter just started to act violently towards Anna. And apparently this got a lot of people's attention because the police, like, were called several times. But for for some reason, no official reports were ever made. This could have been because Anna didn't want to press charges or because the police didn't really care. Like, either are possibilities. We, we don't know. Come November 1991, some people are walking in the Outer Banks. Outer Banks. Outer Banks. Outer Banks. Outer Banks. Outer Banks. I literally Outer don't know what that is. It's a show. Well, so. and it's also... It's like, a place, but, like, there's a show called Outer Banks. The Outer Banks okay. are, like, this... I wanted to say, like, a swamp-like area. They're, like, they're like, a, like a marshy... Mar- yeah. Cove-type, like, yes. island area. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, so, these people were walking... And they discovered the body of a woman wrapped in a blanket and plastic, and she was tied up. This woman was Anna, and she had been dead since April. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really ever suspect anyone else of her murder besides Peter and his father, Ole. And it definitely didn't help their case when it was discovered that the pair had fled to Canada, and they were arrested in Toronto. Oh, well, of course, they're not going to protect God. the Danish. They're at war. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what the nut happened, you might be asking. Um. So, evidently, they had been having one of the fights that was typical for the family. And this particular fight was about the length of Peter's hair, which Anna wanted him to cut. And he got upset with her, Peter did, and choked her. And his dad was there the whole time, didn't stop it. And we've talked about how long it takes to choke someone to death. So he could have stopped it. Yeah. He oh, likely yeah. just did not want to. I feel like we mentioned the choking thing in every other episode. Every episode. Bro, yep. literally. So many. Uh, he clearly cared so little about his wife's death because he, like, straight up helped Peter dispose of the body. Not very well, though. Like, I guess, thankfully, because they could yeah. find her. And I don't know, in my opinion, justice wasn't very well served in this situation, but I'll have Riley talk about the sentencing and some of Peter's prison time. So Peter was sentenced to 20 years in prison, and his dad was only sentenced to two years for being an accomplice. And both were set to be deported back to Denmark after serving that time. So like I they served if they their realized, time. I wonder if they realized... Sorry, I wonder if they just didn't realize... That there's definitely extradition between the U.S. and Canada. I don't know. Also, they oh, were well. they were in Florida. They were so much closer to Mexico. It would have been easier to hide that. You'll you'll <laughs> find that Peter thinks he knows how to get away with stuff. 
And he does okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what happened with his dad. He served his time and then got sent back to Denmark. But Peter appealed his case and was actually able to get his sentence reduced to 15 years in 1995. Bitch, how? I have no freaking idea. So in 1994, which is the year before he got his sentence reduced, something a little interesting happened. And this was that Peter was interviewed by a Danish TV show. The show was about young Danes that had swam across the Atlantic, and the name was, quote, The American Dream. That was, like, the name of this TV program. And it just so happened that they were filming, like, right, really close to where Peter was in prison, and they were, like, looking through the paper or something one day, just, like, randomly, and they found that there was, like, this Danish guy in prison, so they're like, let's go interview him. And so they wrote to him and asked for an interview. <laughs> And during this interview, Peter Peter painted half of his face black to symbolize good and evil. So like his normal face on one side, black face on the other. And he's like, this is good and evil. This Swedish psychiatrist saw the interview and was like, yeah, this dude fills 39 out of the the 40 boxes on my psychopathy checklist. (laughs) He's like, this dude is a psychopath, like psychopath. (laughs) And we'll post this picture of him. (laughs) He's so creepy. terrifying. I will have nightmares. (laughs) That that same psychiatrist that said, like, he checked 39 of the 40 boxes. Also, I want to know what the 40th box was that he (laughs) didn't check. (laughs) I know. For real. They were like, oh, he he blinked a normal amount of time. So not that (laughs) long. (laughs) But the same psychiatrist said, quote, I see a typical psychopath, probably the worst I've seen in my entire career. In particular, I noticed that he uses the words evil and delicious about himself in connection with death. It shows his inflated ego. He suffers from greatness madness. He clearly has the self-love of the insane. It's almost on the verge of insanity. It's it's the delicious for me. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> like, maybe that was uh, a mistranslation, but, like, I feel like it's not. I just... I no, feel like it's not. Something <laughs> is wrong with him. He's yeah. lived in the U.S. long enough. Like, he definitely speaks English well enough. No, that was the psychiatrist. No, there is something but, wrong with him. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. But, yeah. no, I, he definitely used yeah. the word delicious. Um, and just, like, 39 out of 40. Like, I, it seems like this dude should stay in prison. This dude should be <laughs> under, under surveillance, yeah. like... 99% of the time. But he didn't. He only served half of his sentence. And this was actually because... the U.S. justice system is bullshit. Well, so yeah. it was also particularly bullshit during this time because the prison where he was staying was over capacity. And there were, like, a lot of prisoners from the army being moved there. So anyone imprisoned after a certain date had their sentences cut in half. Because at this time, you couldn't move prisoners to another state. Uh, I I mean, I don't think that he would have necessarily stopped killing, even if he had served his full sentence, because, again, 39 out of 40. Yeah. But maybe it could have held him back for a while. I don't know. I don't know. But never Maybe if he was in there for the full sentence, he would have done something else while in there and then just, like, stayed in there Dumb. longer, you know? Yeah. 
maybe the capa- maybe the capacity issue fixing that is is maybe just like arresting less people because we have the highest incarceration <laughs> rate in the world and a lot of it is completely unnecessary. Yeah. But nevertheless, he's deported still. He's sent back to Denmark in 1999 where he moves in with his wife Tina and her daughter. Why? Yes. I say wife because he got married in 1996 while still in prison. Dude, Listen, stop marrying ladies. people in prison. Yeah, stop. We, we can do better than people in prison for murder. Please stop marrying people in prison for murder. I'm oh begging you. Oh, my God. Also, this clearly was a bad idea because same year in 1999, she had to kick him out because he violently attacked her and her daughter. Don't he marry people in prison say. for murder. <laughs> Don't do it. He literally killed his mother. Do you think you're safe? Right? Like, oh my fucking God. But he had like fan mail during this time from Danish women. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> like, that, that gives me Chris Watts vibes so much because Chris Watts gets so many love letters from women and it's disgusting. It's terrifying, bro. Stop like, it. What the fuck? Who's doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, though, he had to find somewhere new to stay because he obviously wasn't, like, welcome in her home anymore. So he moved into a men's home and began to frequent a brothel, which is where he became acquainted with Marianne Peterson, who was working there, and they became lovers. Now, Marianne was a widow who had started another brothel who had started another brothel with her husband before he died, and she just continued to work as a sex worker once he passed to continue making money to support herself and her two sons, Dennis and Brian. And I don't know their exact ages, it did not say, but they looked pretty young. Like, I would say that they were both under 13. And I think he just sort of wormed his way into her life so he'd have somewhere else to stay. But he's scum. So, obviously, things didn't end up so simple. Marianne also had a stepson who became worried about her and the boys after he wasn't able to reach them on the phone for quite some time. So, he went to their place and found, like, a really weird note on their front door that said that they went on vacation. But it just didn't feel right to him, and it didn't seem like it was written by Marianne. So he went inside to find the house was a complete disaster. Things were moved around. There was vomit in the bathrooms. And there was a smell coming from the basement. So he called the police on July 3rd of 2000 to report them missing. Because they weren't in the home. Like, he did not see them. So the police went to the house as well to begin an investigation. They found a lot of bloodstains all around, including in the cellar bathroom, Marianne's bedroom and car, and more horrifyingly, on a cutting board and blender. No! Oh my god! Yeah. Oh no! God. No! 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 Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. No! And no. They, they knew that she had been dating Peter, so they went to where he was staying, and he hadn't left, surprisingly enough, and he was all like, oh, yeah, Marianne's just on vacation. That's all that oh, I know. right. Bullshit, I've been doing she's some... on vacation. Yeah. There's blood in her blender. Right? <laughs> He's like, I've been doing some housework while they're, they've been away, which is bullshit. <laughs> but... This so... is like some you shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, just two days after the stepson reported Marianne and her children missing, the police arrested Peter and charged him with murder. They had looked further at the blood in 
particularly the basement and a garage on the property, and they established that Peter had definitely murdered them there and also dismembered the three of them. Uh, They thought that at least there had been, like, one done in the basement and two in the garage. And Peter had attempted to clean up, but did so so badly that the police said that it looked like a slaughterhouse, like a clean slaughterhouse. Like, you could still see the evidence of what happened there, but it was like, yeah. Peter's just a fucking idiot. Yeah, he fucking is. And there were axe markings all over the garage floor. Like, they counted a hundred. And there was (gasps) traces of human tissue left on an angle grinder. And there was this freezer that was, like, cleaned out recently, but there were still traces. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Yeah. At the beginning... Peter tried to lie his way out of things, and he tried to blame Marianne. He said that on June 16th, late at night, he heard screaming from the basement, and when he went downstairs, he saw both Dennis and Brian on the floor dead, and Marianne was passed out on the floor next to them with a knife because she had taken drugs. Like, she was passed out from the amount of drugs she had taken. Yeah, right. And he started to beat her, quote, not seriously, end quote, in a way that was (laughs) clearly serious enough that it killed her, all because she killed the boys. But if she was already knocked out, why not just call the police? Why kill her too? Like, I don't get it. And then he was like, after he killed her, he couldn't call the police because they wouldn't believe him. So he chose to dismember them instead. (laughs) like what the fuck so you had to put them in the fucking blender and freeze them (laughs) like what the actual hell and obviously this was just unbelievable just completely unbelievable and I think that he realized this too so he changed his story he said that he had heard Marianne speaking quote sweetly unquote while on the phone with another man Which, honestly, she was probably just being polite with someone. Like, I doubt it was anything. Also, she works in a brothel. Like, he knows that. That's her career. So he shouldn't... She probably sweet talks men all the time without it meaning anything because it's clientele. But she is choosing to, like, be with him, let him stay. So it's, it's so annoying. Uh... But he started a fight with her in her bedroom, and it escalated in such a way that he ended up breaking all three of their necks. And then on June 19th, he went out to get the equipment that he needed to dismember and dispose of them and clean up after himself. Well, he didn't do a very good job cleaning up, No, he literally did so bad at it. It's like, dude, dude, you're an idiot. You are actually stupid. The thing is, (laughs) the police still didn't exactly agree with this sequence of events because they were pretty sure that Peter had killed them in different locations and maybe in a different way because of the amount of blood that they found in the basement. And the amount of fucking axe markings. Yeah. And it was, but like at the end of the day, it was still kind of a confession. Yeah. So they just went with it. Uh, Once he'd dismembered them, he drove around disposing, disposing, (laughs) 
Disposing, but like not disposing. Disposing. <laughs> disposing. Disposing. Pieces of their bodies in different locations, like different uh, landfills, stuff like that. And it's because of that that their bodies have still never been found. Like no parts of them. Yeah. My God. It is like you. Yeah. It's, it's so terrifying, bro. So his confession wasn't actually an admittance of guilt because he claimed it was an accident. So there still needed to be like a jury present to decide his fate. Whoops. I accidentally got a hundred axe marks in the floor. Right. Whoops. <laughs> How do you accidentally kill three people, bro? You don't. Slipped. His hand slipped. Don't. Clearly. The thing is, this case was like so publicized that they really were concerned that the juror, the jury would not be able to make an unbiased decision because of what they saw. So the president actually acknowledged them directly and said, quote, by your subsequent decision in the case, they must not take into account anything that you have not been informed here in the courtroom, TV, etc. They also have to look away from what they've heard or seen outside the courtroom during the course of the trial. So basically, I mean, they that's were doing the same. Everything that's that the same anyway. Could. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was just like this was unusual for the time, so they just wanted to take precautions. Uh, During the trial, Peter continued to say that he did not mean to kill him, kill them, which is just fucking ridiculous, and the jury also thought it was ridiculous. The prosecutor said to the jury, quote, the circumstances, nature, and extent of the crimes committed by the defendant are in a state of horror and fright. One can only respond to these as a society and take the right security measures by imposing a lifetime sentence. Thank God. Yeah. Peter's lawyer, on the other hand, said because the killings weren't thought out. They weren't, like, they were less aggravated and more impulsive. So he asked for a lighter sentence of 16 years for Peter, which, not enough, not enough. And I don't think... Peter's lawyer thought it was enough because later he'd end up saying that Peter was, quote, creepy and obnoxious. <laughs> I love that. Is literally, <laughs> yes. Like, you, you'll see photos of him. Yes, he, he's 100% creepy and obnoxious. A statement regarding Peter's mental state was also presented, and he wasn't, he wasn't declared insane, but, quote, significantly deviant, self-centered, and self-overestimating, and characterized by a pronounced tendency to immediately need satisfaction. He is characterized by an an inability, that's hard, to register or understand other people's feelings and needs. And (laughs) And they also said, quote, by an overall assessing the nature of the past and present crime, as well as the personal nature of the subject, it must be assumed that he presents an even more imminent risk to the life, body, liberty, or health of others. End quote. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. Uh, Before the jurors left to make their decision, Peter said to them, quote, we must all have peace now. 
We must have peace in our mind and in our soul. No, End quote. fuck what you, Peter. What the fuck, Peter? <laughs> like, what the fuck? What kind of effect is that supposed to have Fuck on you, Tony. And it clearly... Fuck you, Ezekiel. It clearly had no effect on them. Because after only 10 minutes, they unanimous... You- <laughs> fuck, guys. They unanimous... <laughs> Unanimously. Unanimously <laughs> agreed on a life sentence. Good. good. Very good. Ten Don't minutes. Fall for his bullshit. Honestly, that Ten seems like minutes. too long. <laughs> right? It should have been one. Yeah, yeah. This dude was so hated that this group was formed called the National Association of the Execution of <laughs> Peter London. Oh my god. And its entire purpose was to not overturn the previous law that took away the death penalty, but just to make a special new law that would allow for just Peter to get the death penalty. <laughs> it didn't work I love out, that. But it's yeah. so funny. Also, the like champion of this organization was like boxer or something like he's some some kind of like fighter fighter <laughs> yeah oh my yeah. god she's just making a punching <laughs> motion like she was just like trying to act out like fucking charades <laughs> peter actually when he killed uh marianne and her two sons he believed that the death penalty was still a thing, which is why he apparently disposed of the bodies the way he did, and also because he thought that if they couldn't find the bodies, he wouldn't be charged. But he did such a bad job of cleaning, so, like, of course they knew that he did it. Like, they... And did did he really think that they would believe the vacation note? Bro, literally, bro. he's an idiot like i said he thinks he knows he thinks he knows but he does not he doesn't know shit no and there's actually some political controversy during this time because the u.s was like hmm why didn't you keep a better eye on him when he was released and then deported back to you which is fair but i don't know i just really wish there would have been a way for him to at least finish his first sentence in denmark but here we are. Didn't happen. The U, like it's like the U.S. doesn't have room to talk. Like you chopped his sentence in half. Yeah. For literally no good reason. Yeah. And now you're just poking your nose into their business. Like the U.S. needs to just stay in there. Also, Peter had committed no crimes in Denmark previously. Like he had no record. Um, but I I do think that the, there were moments where they probably could have kept more of an eye on him, like, after he beat his wife, Tina, and Tina's daughter. But I don't know. I don't know if a police report ever was filed. Probably not because she was, like, in love with him. Like, she actually had previously, even though she kicked him out, she had threatened Marianne at one point, which is, like, he's not worth it, bro. He really is No, isn't. he is absolutely not, not <laughs> worth it at all. Also, y'all, we cannot forget about all Peter's father. Police had found... Oh, I did forget about all. Yeah, don't forget about it. Because police had found several of Marianne's personal belongings in his possession. So he was charged with four months of unconditional imprisonment. This was because of his age. Like, they did not give him a lot of time because he was older. 
but they weren't able to pin anything else on him. But it wouldn't surprise me even the slightest if he was involved even a little bit. Considering he literally helped Peter dispose of his wife, Anna. Like, yep. So I, like, maybe he helped with the disposal. Like, I don't know. Um, but seeing as Peter always has an interesting time in prison, Riley is going to tell us what happened to him this time around. Uh, yeah, he had a pretty eventful time once again. Um, firstly, he'd been attacked by other inmates multiple times and he actually received compensation for one of those times. Which, why? They should not. (laughs) Don't give him anything. What the hell? And he's been married not once, but twice during his second imprisonment. And it appears he's had several flings as well. Why? Stop (laughs) getting in relationships with men in prison for murder. Stop. Yeah. His first marriage was in 2008 to Marianne Poulsen, but only lasted for 11 days because... She clearly came to have fucking... No, no. (laughs) She filed for divorce because he was apparently cheating on her. So she could forgive the murders, but not the cheating. (laughs) that was crossing the line it's so (laughs) fucked up like lady sort out your priorities you're marrying a man in prison for murder (laughs) his second marriage was in 2009 to a woman named beltina and they were married for eight years until they divorced in 2017 but like what did you do for the eight years? Just drive to the prison every day like what i read read stuff about them and like he he had so much good things to say about her. He was like, the, she's the love of my life. But I feel like if you were out of prison, you would kill her too. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> you're a psychopath. Like, mm. that's probably what kept him going. The thought of killing her. Yeah. Um, He was also charged again while in prison for drugs multiple times, which is like kind of confusing because he's already in prison with a life sentence, but it's just I think like to like make a point probably if I had to guess. Um, <laughs> he's changed his name twice, first to Niels Schaftner. Um, Niels was the name of two detectives that worked on his case, and Schaftner was his mother's maiden name, and both feel like a big fuck you. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> and I just like. They just let people change their names willy-nilly in prison? <laughs> That's so They just weird let people marry and, like, have enough freedom to be able to cheat willy-nilly? Yeah. Um, and then he changed it to Bjarne Skounborg? 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 Bjarne Skounborg? That sounds right. Um, and this is what he still goes by. So, okay. Look, I'd like... Just fuck off, Peter. Like... <laughs> He's also filed multiple lawsuits against different people because they didn't have great things to say about him, like defamation lawsuits. Um, Most of them he's lost and been denied compensation for, thankfully, because, like, duh, obviously people are going to say bad shit about you. You're a piece of shit person. That's why we're at risk. Don't murder people if you don't want people to talk bad about you. I don't know what to tell you. He's still alive. He he could file a lawsuit against us if he's mad. <laughs> Bring it, Peter. Bring it. <laughs> what what the fuck is your name? Bring it, Bjarne. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Peter slash Bjarne has remained like popular. Popular. I just realized it it's probably awful. like Bjarna. Anyways, doesn't matter. I don't give a shit Fuck if I'm him. pronouncing your name correctly, Peter. Uh, so he's like the media has stayed with his story and stuff. He's been subject of a couple books and even published his own in 2009, which I feel like would be an interesting read, but I couldn't even like find it online, like available for purchase. So I don't know. <laughs> he he just wrote he just he just wrote a fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. In 2002, Clairvoyance tried to find the bodies of Marianne Peterson and her two sons, but were unable to do so. Um, of course they were. Yeah. How do you guys feel about clairvoyance? I feel like most of the time it makes me extremely uncomfortable when they involve themselves in such such cases and stuff. I feel about clairvoyance the same way I do about horoscopes, and that is it's fun, but it's not real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You do you, but also, I don't know. Um, But that's our case for today. <laughs> uh, fuck, fuck you, Peter. Big fuck, fuck you. You're you, dumbass. <laughs> You're terrifying to look at. If you want to see Peter at his most terrifying and other pictures relating to this case, I'm just like, I can't stop thinking about that photograph. It's terrifying. Um, You can find them. On our Instagram, which is at TrueCrimeINTL, and on our Facebook, which we have a group on there just called True Crime International. Feel free to join us there. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can go ahead, leave us a five-star review, and we will love you for it, and that's awesome. And if you want more content and can afford it, we have a Patreon. We have one level right now for $5 a month. And every month, you get three extra pieces of content, and we have, like, a bunch of content up there, so you get all that, too. Um, so maybe head over there, join us there, too. Um, wow, that was, like, the first time I really got through that. Like, you, were, not, you did really bad. well. I'm very impressed. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. We hope you learned something new today. We hope you're... You go look at that scary picture of him. And we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye. Bye. Bye.